Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Ruel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make the second half of life even better than the first. November commemorates both National Family Caregivers Month and Alzheimer's Disease Awareness Month, a special time to support and honor the unique challenges faced by family caregivers of older adults with dementia. In today's episode, we talk with two dynamic and dedicated project directors from the Parker Jewish Institute for Healthcare and Rehabilitation on Long Island, who will discuss their roles in innovative and highly successful community programs that serve family caregivers by connecting them with a circle of help that includes trained volunteers, provide an array of respite services and other services. Dawn Hagen will describe how Parker's Willing Hearts Helpful Hands program reaches out to family caregivers, including relatives who may be diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And Carmen will describe the Hope and Healing Program, a new Parker program that supports um, the caregivers of older adults with dementia and a history of trauma, providing person-centered approaches and services to help promote the health and well-being of this vulnerable population. Together, Dawn and Carmen exemplify the tireless dedication of those who provide much-needed support to family caregivers, especially those caring for loved ones with dementia. So now, folks, it's time to meet Dawn Hagen and Carmen Quinones. Carmen and Dawn, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Ron. It's a real pleasure. Uh, I've known you uh, about uh, Parker for quite some time. I've attended some of your programs in the past. Um, and I just wanted to uh, thank you for coming on the show because it's you do a lot of interesting, unusual, and I would say unique work. So glad to have you. Um, and before we we dive into the programs you work with, um, I'm always interested also not only in the topic of the day, but also my guests, because I, I think I always have interesting guests who have interesting lives and uh, sort of like to uh, highlight the fact that you know, it's it's before 45 and after 45, life is a continuous journey. So I, rather than um, people can go to my website, rowellresources.com, um, and click on the 45 forward tab, they could read your resumes. But rather than just read your resumes, I want to just have you, you know, in your own words, kind of tell me, give me a little bit about how you got to where you are today at Parker. So uh, let me start with you, Dawn, and then Carmen, you just pick up. So, sure. Um, so I basically have spent my whole career as a geriatric social worker, um, working in a variety of different community settings, such as I my, started my career originally at the American Red Cross in Greater New York uh, as a, uh, a caseworker, working with uh, families who were um, uh, who had experienced you know, uh, a disaster, and I had to make arrangements to do um, emergency housing. Hmm. And uh, I got the I got the I was working for the senior services department of the American Red Cross. So I started that there. And that's when I went on to do my graduate studies at um, Wurzweiler School of Social Work. And from there, I've just I've always just tended to um, just gear towards the elderly. Um, my mom is a social worker, uh, retired mm-hmm. now, but um, she also ran two, three of the largest uh adult home facilities. One was in the U.S. Virgin Islands in St. Thomas. Um, another one was in Brooklyn, in Canarsie, and another one up in the Bronx. And so she retired from there, went on to um, start up a home care agency out in Far Rockaway. And so I just kind of followed in her footsteps. Um, hmm. Interesting story about uh, the the home in the Virgin Islands was called the Queen's Louise Home. And huh. 
she she got pregnant with me while she was the administrator there. And so the residents went through the whole pregnancy with her. And it was only fitting that um, when I was born, I was their baby, too. You know, <laughs> and I was actually christened in the in the actual nursing home and the uh, the adult home. Wow. So and that's, you know, I just have always had a very um, interest in working with with older adults, you know, talking to them, helping, providing emotional support, uh, you know, kind of getting them connected to different services that help ease their, you know, transition as they get older, as they have, you know, increased needs. Right. So it's yeah. always been yeah. a passion. Yeah, right. And Carmen, you've had an eclectic past. You've dealt with a lot of different nonprofits. So tell me a little <laughs> bit about that. Yeah, about your uh, I started over 40 something years ago working with homeless stranded people in this agency called Traveler's Aid. Um, and the array of people that came into Times Square before cell phones, before credit cards, we worked, I worked there for 16 years where I started out as a part-time weekend person and development became a program director in Times Square. I did that for a while, left there, worked with homeless runaway youth. Um, for an agency called Green Chimneys, when nobody was talking about gay youth um, or homeless gay youth that was impossible. I did that for another couple of years where I trained around the country, did trainings and, and teaching people um, about LGBT and how to work with young people um, and listening to the stories of the young people. I ran a shelter for homeless young people also. Mm. Left there, I went to, I worked in, um, I worked for Sandy. Uh, Superstorm Sandy. I was their mm. hotline uh, administrator and person wow. who everybody called and did the referrals to all the agencies, the 18 companies, the agencies that we did around the island, uh, around the state. Um, I worked with homeless people in um, in a shelter in New York City. That was my last job, where it was 68 beds for mentally ill people, where you constantly hearing all their pain and their sorrow. Um, they constantly, and, and that's where I learned, not learned, but I really wanted to master into this trauma base. I've always mm. had um, taking courses on trauma-informed care, but I really saw the pain in the homeless population when I was working um, and trying to mass help them uh, deal with their, their past issues and trying to work on the system. I got a little burned out at three o'clock in the morning. One day I saw this ad for this job at Parker. I had no idea what it was about, <laughs> except that it, it seemed like it was something, a, a nice new journey to go on. Um, it has been an amazing, amazing journey for myself and for our clients just to see um, and develop this program. Uh, it's it, the, the client. It's just great. Just blown us. That's great. That's great to hear. Yeah. So before we talk about each of these programs and uh, and your work, um, uh, maybe you can give Dawn. Maybe you can give us a little bit of a background about Parker it, itself, the institution. Sure. It, it's a really so, um, excuse me. Parker Jewish Institute for Healthcare and Rehabilitation is a 527 bed skilled nursing and long term care facility located in New Hyde Park, New York. Um, we specialize in care and services for older adults. For post-acute care, we offer short-term rehabilitation, nursing, and medical services. Uh, Parker has also has, has several programs, um, such as on-site renal dialysis clinic. Um, we have a community and inpatient hospice program. 
home health care program, physician services, and Parker at Your Door, which provides medical house calls offering an array of medical care, nursing care, and diagnostic laboratory testing. Mm. Um, since its inception in 1907 as a shelter for indigent men and women, um, Parker Jewish Institute has evolved into a nationally recognized nonprofit with a comprehensive network of community health programs for, old, for older adults. Um, it is also a leading academic campus for the training of healthcare professionals and an important research center for studies related to aging. Mm. So we've been around for a long time and we've been doing a lot of great work. Um, you know, Parker prides itself not only on uh, uh, the, the the 527 bed uh, nursing facility, but also on uh, the various community programs that we offer um, both in Long Island and in New York City that so we serve, um, you know, both New York, you know, we serve basically folks in in and around the New York area. Yeah, so in metro area, yeah. So I've, I've mm -hmm. been to some of your programs in the past. I think it was actually pre-COVID, so I mean, it's mm -hmm. been a while. But so I've, I've known about your programs, and and I think that some of them have been in libraries. They've been they're very dynamic. They're really engaging to the community. Mm -hmm. um, so um, yeah, it 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 does a lot of different things, um, and. Uh, uh, and, and we'll talk about some of them, but but now I want to just switch to um, back to Dawn Preps. So we'll we'll talk more about the caregiving um, program broadly, but um, um, talk so talk a little bit, um, Carmen, about hope and healing because it's unusual. It's a new program, right? Fairly new program, and yeah. uh, and and you know as you mentioned in your intro, it's about trauma. But but so I think that interestingly, you know, I have personally heard a lot more about trauma in, in the last few years. I think it was something people really didn't think that much about. Um, just stuff happened to you, I'm like okay, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I think some of it was highlighted by um, PTSD. I think by what happened to veterans, but I think you know people have sort of looked at that, but then realized that's a much bigger phenomenon, much bigger impacts. So, so talk a little bit about trauma and about you know how you folks have approached it with, with, with interesting with dementia patients not just people broadly yeah. yeah so so we got a fund we got funded by the Jewish Federation of North America mm -hmm. um it was a study they there was a study with people with dementia who are holocaust survivors um one does that's the oldest population of people that have survived so many traumas they have gone through a whole history of trauma and they're still with us What's happening is that we, the, the study was that we, there's a lot of behaviors um, that the that the people, the survivors of the trauma have, um, we're now putting into practice what they, what we learned from those um, incidences and their stories. We've started practicing it in agencies um, and we roll it out to the community. It's person-centered care. Even though we have this whole package and array of services for our clients, we try to do different things and, and feel out where they fit in. So you may may come to a memory cafe and and maybe you like to sing. Um, so we encourage your singing. Nobody's wrong. Nothing is bad. And now our program, because it's exactly where you're at, person-centered care. It's all about you. We focus on safety, making sure that the place is safe enough for our clients and calm. We focus on choices. We give them choices. You can go to a memory cafe and uh, in Suffolk County, or you can go to one in Nassau County. We want you to go to one in your neighborhood because we're encouraging community and building uh, support. We collaborate. We do a lot of collaboration with our clients. We have their input on things that they that we're doing. If you want dan line dancing or tango dancing, we want to know what you want. 
Um, and we also work with them on their, we try to build the trust because one of the biggest things in talking about trauma, nobody wants to talk about this, right? Nobody mm -hmm. wants to talk about Debbie Downer in the, in the room. Everything is always negative when it comes to that. But what happens is with our caregiving, our caregivers, we see them so stressed out that they don't realize that there's other, that something may be happening at home that could have been a trigger. And those triggers are what we try to work with or the behaviors that our, our recipients are having or our caregivers are having. We try to work with them and addressing some of those behaviors so that we can work, you know, we can move forward. I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. We try to flag out the disease. If you have vascular or what uh, dementia, you know, what kind of dementia you have, uh, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. And, and then we'll cl class up some of those behaviors for that. And we address those. If it's an illness, maybe the person has a D, a D uh, what is it, UTI, um, and those behaviors will, you know, it could be medical. And then we try to talk about the other stuff. So somebody that's running, that wants to be asleep, falls, wakes up at three o'clock in the morning crying all the time. And as a caregiver, you're like, come on, I have to go to work. You have to go to sleep. We talk, try to reason with them, try to make them go to bed instead of really just sitting with the person. Let them process whatever they're going through. Talk to them about it. Don't be afraid. That's where they're going. That's, they may be reliving some kind of a trauma. And so we've started practicing this with our clients, where we've discovered that the young man that wakes up in the middle of the night at one o'clock in the morning is fearful that dad is going to beat him again, who's going to come back and beat him because he was abused as a child. Mm. Some people have, have been abandoned. Right. Uh, uh, adoption, abortion. I mean, adoption, uh, um, uh, uh, domestic violence, divorces, mm. all those things impact our lives. I know I could give you a medical term on trauma. Right. It's an incident or situation that happened to us that stays, stays with us for a long time. It may right. come back. It may not. It may be triggers. So some mm. what we realize is that sometimes going to the doctor. Right. Could be a trigger. Mm -hmm. uh, for somebody who's LGBT, they we weren't able they weren't able to classify or say that they were uh, they you know gay right. to a doctor or the doctors didn't believe them in that time. So we try to work with the time and the era and the history. We do a lot of history work with the clients so yeah. that we know and we could filter out and work with them. Right, right. Yeah, I think we've discovered too. You know how, as you mentioned, trauma lasts a long time. I don't think we really thought about how long it does it and you know how many um how many things that are manifested later in life actually are you know um <laughs> occurred when you were a kid and they yes. last a long time um mm -hmm. uh we have a couple of minutes we'll go we'll go into the uh break and we'll continue but dawn talk so talk a little bit about your initiative willing hearts um uh helping hands sure so um back in 2015 parker applied for um a very competitive grant from the new york state department of health mm -hmm. to offer um caregiver services to um to, to families who were caring for somebody with alzheimer's and, and or dementia um it's a statewide initiative so um and parker was one of 10 um one of 10 organizations who have been awarded the grant. So Parker received the, the grant for the Long Island to serve families on Long Island. And it's actually called the Alzheimer's Disease Caregiver Support Initiative. Um, it's mm -hmm. a, like I said, it's a statewide initiative. So there, uh, there are other organizations and agencies that have the same similar um, funding. <clears throat> it's a multi-year grant. We're actually in the uh, year two, uh, no, we're actually in a, uh, we're in our second 
grant cycle of uh, of the of the uh, of the initiative, and um, we again applied for it for the, for year two. I mean, I'm sorry, the the second grant cycle, and uh, we're happy to say that we're in our second year of the of the second grant cycle. Um, it's a multi-million dollar grant over multi over multiple years. Um, we Parker got the award in 2016, and we've been going since. Um, it actually got extended for a year and a half because of COVID. And then in um, 2022, we got the the, the second funding um, around. And so we're mandated, not mandated, but we're 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 funded to provide uh, a certain services, a full array of services. So we have our social workers that work with our families to identify um, families who need who need help, support, resources. Um, they may worry about how to take care of their person um, with Alzheimer's and dementia. So the social worker really helps counsel them about different aspects of caregiving, um, education about Alzheimer's and dementia, how to um, you know respond to challenging and difficult behaviors, um, and you know just we we we're here to you know reduce some of the caregiver uh, stress and burden and to prevent burnout. And the whole goal of the initiative itself is to. Um, try to avoid or prevent institutionalization. So we want to keep our families in the community where they want to be, where they want to be. Um, and we want to help support our families so that they know where they can access services, where they can access help, where they can access support. Um, and so we've been at it for since 2016. And I'm mm-hmm. happy to say that we've served over like, you know, 6,000 families you know, throughout wow. the course, whether it's the caregiver or the the person with dementia. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think that, you you folks know this, but I think it's becoming um, more um, uh, greater awareness generally about how important the health of the individual depends not depends but can can be uh, quite dependent on the caregiver them themselves. You know, exactly. and, and some people with good caregivers do better. You know, so paying attention to the caregiver is really a critical thing. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that, uh, but we are going to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, it'll be a short break. When we come back, we'll be talking much more with Dawn Hagen and Carmen Quinones of the Parker Jewish Institute for Healthcare and Rehabilitation. So don't go anywhere. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The boroughs are New York City. The burbs are everywhere else. 
Real estate is the ultimate game of risk and reward. It's the biggest investment most people ever make. Fortunes are made over a lifetime and lost in a day. And we're not playing with Monopoly money. How do you stay ahead? Who's buying? Who's selling? And why? What do they know? We want the truth. You need an edge. Burrows and Burbs is your secret weapon to giving you the insider knowledge and strategies you need to succeed in the high-stakes world of real estate. From Palm Beach to Palm Springs, Manhattan to Malibu, we press the experts to expose the pain, find the deals, and occasionally predict the future. That's Burrows and Burbs, 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific, because everyone can make money in real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking today with Dawn Hagen and Carmen Quinones of the Parker Jewish Institute for Healthcare and Rehabilitation about the extraordinary level of support Parker offers caregivers, especially those caring for older people, their loved ones with dementia, and their loved ones themselves. So before the break, we were talking with Dawn about some of the programs that uh, 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 Willing uh, Hearts Helping Hands <laughs> always mix up the H's there, but they're they're. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so we were talking about some of them. I mean, there's, but there's a lot of it. There, there are um, memory cafes, but, but then there are the caregiver education consultations. Uh, res, I found it interesting respite scholarships for in home assistance. So just give us a little bit of a, a feeling for some of the programs and, and how you work with them. Sure. So how our families get to us are usually by through a referral from either another um, organization or an agency, um, and they the. They, the families really are in need of a you know a variety of different services. So they'll I'll, I'll walk you through like a, a typical referral and a you know and the and the different services that we're able to provide. So once we get a family member who's interested in caregiver services, we follow up with one of our. There's an application that they fill out, obviously, um, and then we follow up with one of our licensed social workers who will set up an appointment to come out and meet with them in their home. So we actually go into the home of the of the families where the person resides. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a full o- overview and consultation and a, an assessment as well as a psychosocial and an environmental assessment of where they are in the caregiving process, what are some of the things that they could avail themselves to of our program. And then the the social worker will really set up like a, a follow-up plan with them. So for example, if it's an adult daughter caring for her mom and you know she's struggling because she ha- has to care for mom, but she also has to take care of her of, of her family, like she's a part of that sandwich generation. And so she could really use some education about Alzheimer's and dementia. Um and she might be, she may not know what's go- like how to how to how to how to approach her mom when her mom is exhibiting with, you know, um challenging behaviors and how mm-hmm. to, you know, alleviate some of those behaviors. So they, you know, they come up with a with a plan and they say, you know, we have an education and training program on how to care for somebody with Alzheimer's disease, how to manage um, uh, challenging behaviors, um, how what is the progression of the illness, what stages are they in, early, middle, or late stage, um, breaking it down the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia and just normal memory loss kind of thing, um, and then they we might suggest that you know the daughter 
participate in one of our caregiver support groups, which we run um, several of them throughout the island. We have them both in person at like local libraries and day programs. We have them online through Zoom. And we also have the uh, option of doing telephone um, support groups as well. And we've catered our support groups to, you know, general caregivers, adult children of care, uh, caring for somebody um, for uh, with Alzheimer's disease. I actually run a, a men's group for, and it's for husbands who are caring for their wives. And mm. um, they, we have like an under 40 group uh, and just, you know, a, a bilingual group, Spanish and English. And so they're offered weekly, bi-month, bi-monthly and monthly. So we have a, a lot of groups running at, all at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then if the daughter is in need of some respite, she can avail herself to two different types of respite that we're able to offer. One is a uh, financial scholarship uh, where families can qualify for up to $1,800 um, that they can use to either pay for home care services to come into the home to take care of their person, or they can use it for um, participation in an adult daycare program. Um, there's several throughout Long Island. And then some families have even used it for overnight respite in a respite facility. And, you know, so they can, and I'll, I'll tell you a story about a caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, their grandson was graduating from college and the family wanted to go to the graduation, but they couldn't leave mom home alone. Mm-hmm. So we were able to arrange for a respite facility um, on Long Island so she could place her mom for the short term, you know, for those couple of days that they were going to be away, knowing that mom was going to be cared for and she was going to be supervised and she, and all her needs would be met. So they used a scholarship for that. Um, so mm-hmm. it's really a, a really great resource. And it's probably one of the most attractive pieces of, of, of the program because, you know, it's not meant to be a long term fix, but it does help with, um, you know, short term temporary episodic relief. Mm-hmm. And then we also work with volunteers, um, our volunteer caregiver companions who serve as like a friendly visitor. Well, they will actually will match a volunteer up with a family that have similar interests, geographic location, preferences, and will arrange to have the volunteer go into the home, spend time with the person with dementia, again, giving the caregiver a little bit of a relief and a little bit of a break. Yeah. Uh, so we we have over 150 active volunteers currently, you know, mm-hmm. ma- uh, matched with families. Um and we're always looking to recruit new volunteers. Um, okay. That's part of the you know part of the program is the volunteer respite. So we have volunteer coordinators and managers who actually go into the communities where our families live and recruit for volunteers um, in in the community. Yeah. So we we look for volunteers who will um, you know be willing to at least give us a six months to a year commitment. Um, yeah. At least uh, commit to at least four to six hours a week. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, the, and our volunteers have been. Some of our volunteers have been with us since the start of the program in 2016, and have and have developed like you know amazing, beautiful relationships with their with their caregivers and their families. They do holiday you know, holidays together. Right. Um, they do you know they go on trips together now. So it's yeah. like they become yeah. a part of the family. Yeah, yeah, you know it, it's it, it's a complicated process. You know, uh, dementia. You know, has a lot of different dimensions. You're pointing out to a lot of them. Um, you know, you were saying before, Carmen, I mean, you know, there's trauma with a person with dementia, but there's often trauma with the caregiver. And, yeah. you know, when you compound these things, um, it's tough. And and so my, my mom uh, passed away from Alzheimer's a few years ago. And so um, a lot of us um, have experienced this. Um, and it's tough. If you can handle this piece of it, you can handle sort of any caregiving. This is really the... Uh, the, uh, the the 
the ultimate challenge. Um, and um, and you were mentioning before, Carmen, uh, during the break about um, you know your your notion of of how to it's about building community. So talk about that notion of what 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 do we mean by that? Um, when I started, I started sitting at the cafes and just talking to clients, uh, mm-hmm. the caregivers, and I would say, "How are you doing?" And they would say, "Oh, poor John is fine," or you know, their loved one. They would just go into that right away. And I'm saying, mm, "No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I, I see he's fine, or they are fine. I'm talking about you. How, how are you doing?" Mm-hmm. And they would sit there like, "I'm. I'm fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> are you fine? Are you sure? Are you okay?" And then you see these big tears. And they will say, nobody really asks me any questions about that. I come, I go to events to take him to keep us involved, but I never really talk. And then we started, I said, well, you know what? Here's somebody else that you could talk to who is at your table having lunch with you who's going through some stuff. And so we built our program, letting people know that you're not alone. That's really what Parker is really all about. That's why we're going through the whole island and, and really you know, doing memory cafes. I call them cafe connections. Some mm. of the cafes have entertainment and some of them won't. Um, and when they don't have entertainment, is about you connecting with somebody at that table that you haven't met before. And maybe you could talk to each other about it, um, about your situation or just be friends, just make friends. Um, that's the philosophy that my partner and I, uh, uh, my, my coordinator and I started doing. And it, it's taken off. Now they, they, when we don't have an entertainer, they just get up and exchange phone numbers. They're talking to each other. The support groups are built like that also. Um, we all take turns in the support group because we want the clients to know that we're in this with you together. Every staff member takes turns trying to you know, host the groups. Um, the groups are run by the clients. We have a topic for the day. We also have it numbered by sessions. We're going to have 12 sessions for this support group on resilience, mm-hmm. on um, anger and guilt. Um, uh, anticipatory grief, those topics that our caregivers aren't are afraid to talk about or don't know how to talk about it. But now these support groups, you can come and talk to us. We're here to talk about these things together. And nobody's ashamed. Nobody, you know, nobody's going to judge you because this is what person-centered care is all about. Yeah, it's really critical. I, I think that, um, you know, one of the, th- uh, I was at a, a conference recently, a summit, caregiving summit at uh, Hofstra University here locally. And mm-hmm. we were, I was on a panel about caregiving and some of it was about, you know, our own personal experiences. And, and uh, one of the questions they said, uh, you know, looking back, you know, is there something you, you wish you knew about or did something differently? And I, I guess on both those counts, I, I, I wish I knew more about places like Parker at the time when my mom was going through this, because um, uh, one of the things that even though there, <laughs> there are 53 million caregivers in the country, not all of them for Alzheimer's or dementia uh, uh, folks, but um, it is extraordinary how you still feel alone <laughs> with people all around you dealing with this yep. issue. And another interesting dimension is um you feel invisible. That's a lot of caregivers report you this feeling of invisibility. Um, yes. So because the focus is on the on the loved one, right? right? Everybody, you go to every appointment, you have to do all these tests, medical, and it's everything about the person. And we the the caregiver starts forgetting about themselves. 
Right. And, and I think also caregivers have a tendency to, you know, one one of the biggest complaints that you know we 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 get is that you know all of their friends have stopped coming around. Mm-hmm. They've been they they've stopped being invited to you know to dinners and parties and events and things like that. So it's very isolating, and they have nobody but their their person who they're caring for. And it's a you know it's a twenty four seven job, and you know they're they're in their they're with their person day in and day out, and like nothing. So I think our programs have really done a lot to really connect families and caregivers with each other, developing new support networks, um, and just really connecting them to, you know, to us as a, as clinicians and as a staff. I mean, we've, you know, we've developed a really great rapport and bonds with our families. You know, they, yeah. they call us, they know us by our first name. They call us when they're in crisis. They, you know, they reach out to us. If they can't get me, they know, they know to go to Carmen kind of thing, you know? So yeah. it yeah. really is a dynamic program. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think things are changing slowly as, as you know, it becomes um, more public. People, you know, talk about it. They're more informed about it, educated. They're, they're, they, they're, they experience dealing with it. And, mm-hmm. but and I think in, you know, years past i think there was this sense of privacy number one like you didn't want to tell people about it like um right it's, I mean, it's, uh, you, it's a taboo right and, yes. and it's also cultural right so right. some cultures and some groups i'm i'm puerto rican i mean our families our called latino communities we don't what is caregiving we do it automatically <laughs> that's part of our upbringing grandma right. sits there she's she's part of the household that's there's right. no such thing as you know, putting them somewhere else or taking them somewhere. It's just, she's, they're, they're part of our upkeep. Yeah. And so we, it's, it's about educating the communities, letting them know that there is help for you, that you don't have to uh, get, a, have, fail your own health because you're taking care of your abuelita or your grandparent or your uncle, or your wife or your, whoever you're taking care of. Yeah. You know, there's some, some support out here, some fun activities. We provide a lot of good stuff and fun stuff um, uh, to to engage our clients and to teach them that there's a moment that we could just let loose and be happy and and then continue with our journey. And yeah. it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I think we're just sort of rediscovering this whole sense of community and support, right? I mean, I think that... Um, you know, so in addition to it being taboo, you know, you don't want to talk about someone in your family with, with Alzheimer's, but but it was also like, well, this is this is my my problem, my family's problem, you know, in an isolated way. Like, and now, of course, we're discovering when you do bring it up, you know, in a, in a room of of you know any kind of social uh, occasion, people are like, yeah, me too. <laughs> you discover everyone everyone is dealing with this. It's not like you're a special interest group. We're all you know, dealing with caregiving issues and we could use support, you know, I mean, it, it's nothing wrong. And again, it's, it's, it's not as if this is, we didn't do this before. We just, as you said, Carmen, we didn't call it caregiving. We didn't call it support, you know, so you'd go into your neighborhood and people in your neighborhood would support you, but you just didn't think of it this way, but that's what happened. You were there. And, and remember, I remember growing up, right. You were, you were in, a, in your neighborhood, you, you, you had all your, your un, un, uh, 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 unofficial aunts and uncles who were always like looking out for you or, or you know, right. watching you didn't get in trouble. So I think we're kind of going with what I call back to the future, <laughs> you know, they were realizing um, how important that support network is. It um, is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so, um, any other dimensions to the the caregiver initiative you want to mention, Dawn? Well, we're going to come up with another break, but we can squeeze sure, a little I'd bit more. Go real quickly. I mean, like, similar to Carmen's, you know, cafe connections. We have our memory cafes, but we also mm-hmm. uh, have other types of programming to bring families together through our joint enrichment opportunities, mm-hmm. uh, where we really focus on you know caregiver wellness, um, emotional well being. Uh, so we might do like an online exercise class or a yoga class um, that families can sign on to. Um, we also do some of these programs in in person, like we might go to a, a pottery uh, pottery studio and create a piece of pottery that they're really just kind of connecting together with their loved one, creating new new memories with their loved one. Um, and then again, in in the sense of the community coming together. Um, so we have a variety of different wellness programs and a couple of you know different memory cafes. We just do some music uh, music therapy, art therapy. Um, and we just you know we, it, again, it's really bringing the families together having this social network that they have a place to to come and, and enjoy an activity or an event with their loved one. It's something social, something fun that they, you know, they don't have to be isolated and stuck in the house, you know, you know, 24 seven with their person, they can get out and do things and, and enjoy. And the programs are really geared to involving everyone, keeping it so that they, they feel safe, that they feel that they can participate. There's no, there's no, um, there's no judgment. It's always in a safe haven. Um, our staff are always available to, you know, interfere or, or intervene if something if somebody gets gets upset or agitated. You know, our staff are there to kind of support them through that pro- through that that process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that um, there's there's again we're we, we've been focused before sort of on on clinical interventions, right? Medical stuff, which uh, obviously that's important. I mean, I know that um, I do. Um, uh, workshops myself uh, for the Alzheimer's Association on Long Island, and um, mm-hmm. uh, I do um, a presentation that they have called um, "Healthy Living for Your Brain and Body," um, mm-hmm. which you know deals with wellness. And I think that uh, that we're discovering, though, that as you point out, as you're talking, Don, like just for calling too, like how they're now there are more evidence-based studies about how this really impacts the overall health. You know this the socialization the the sense of purpose the sense of involvement has real implications about the health and longevity of people so it's not just sort of nice <laughs> you know yeah. there are actual you know health outcomes um so uh, we still have a lot more to talk about uh, but we need to take another short break um but when we come back we'll be talking much more again with dawn hagan and carmen quinones of the parker jewish institute for Healthcare and rehabilitation don't go anywhere we have lots more to talk about America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host, keynote speaker, and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now, she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for the Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking today with Dawn Hagen and Carmen Quinones of the Parker Jewish Institute for Healthcare and Rehabilitation. Uh, we've been talking a lot about caregiving for um, those with dementia, uh, caregiving for the caregivers themselves. Um, and uh, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the programs. But before we continue, uh, sometimes we get uh, short at the end of the show. And I wanted to mention, ask them um, if they want to find, if you want to find out more about their work or the Park Institute, um, where, where can they find information? I assume Parker has a website, right, where you can find out more? Yep. Yes, if you go to parkerinstitute.org, um, that'll bring you to Parker's general webpage. Um, and within the within the webpage, there's a lot of different, you can look for the Willing Hearts Helpful Hands, you mm-hmm. know, uh, uh, button, or you could look for the Hope and Healing uh, program. And, you know, once you click on the each of those uh, links, it'll bring you to our webpage as well. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, uh, Willing Hearts Helpful Hands. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, you know, we, we post a lot of stuff on um, Instagram as well. Mm. And then the main, you know, if you, if someone were to call us, they can reach us at 212-289-2100. That's the general phone number to Parker Jewish Institute. And then just ask for any one of our programs, which the Willing Hearts Helpful Hands program or the Hope and Healing program. Um, right. And I assume the num- the phone number is on the website as well, right? Yes. You can probably find it. Yes. But okay. if if you want me, I'll give you the phone number. It's 516-586-1507 is for the Willing Hearts Helpful Hands Program and 516-586-1509 for um, Hope and Healing Program. Great. Great. Okay. All right. So there, there are lot, there's lots going on in Parker So and, and lots of collaboration. So tell me a little bit more about how you folks work together. It, it seems like it's a very integrated, holistic approach. Um a lot of collaboration in between. So, Carmen, talk a little bit about that, about how you guys work together and and other with other program directors as well. Um, it depends. Uh, it, when it comes to the client, uh, mm-hmm. if he comes, the client comes through us first or through Dawn, we refer mm-hmm. back and forth or we collaborate on the client. Sometimes we, on a, during a home visit, a social worker will flag this incident 
sit into the situation at home and say, oh, these people have something going on. We need to put hope and healing involved in it. Um, we'll call uh, one of the social workers from Hope and Healing. We'll call and follow up with them. We will then invite them to memory cafes, invite them to our support groups and get them involved in wellness programs, activities that we have going on. We have stuff going on. Uh, we did, uh, we partnered with a lot of people like Parker, uh, Hofstra University, their art department. We did some classes there. We did like 12 sessions of art therapy there. We hired uh, a music therapist and we did 12 sessions with, with them on music therapy. We have a drumming circle. Uh, that's still going on and we bring that to memory cafes or cafe connections to bring again trying to teach people about the power of the drum the healing power of the drum um we have a tango dancing and different activities so again to to get people involved in healthy movement for our caregivers we did a walk with a walking club at long beach Mm-hmm. For a couple of weeks, we went out to um, Eisenhower Park and we did concerts in the park and met with people there. Um, again, building community. You're not alone. We're here. Parker is going to be there for you when you need them. Um, the people that showed up for some of the events were people that had not come back to Parker since the pandemic um, and the shutdown. So it was really nice to see that that they remembered us, that we're still here, we're still working with you, we want you to bring back into the fold, and we connected with the new people that you are bringing into the fold. Mm-hmm. So it's working, it, it, we work together on those. If a client needs respite care, I'll go to Dawn and say, listen, this person may need an, uh, assistance with respite, um, and we move it, move the case forward. Right. Any other, we, we have other departments in the building. We have Parker at your door. So if somebody is already homebound and they need a medical doctor to come to your door. Boof, we we have that. Mm-hmm. In the communities, we're also reaching out to people in Brentwood and, and um, in other parts of the island. We've been out to the reservations. We have Wellness Wednesdays, which is an educational activities of wellness for seniors. So you could be in a community center. You could flag into Parker at your door. Parker's, uh, you know, Wellness Wednesdays. And you can listen to a podcast or a, a, a training that we may have that day on wellness. Um, so we're, we're, we're trying to bring all those agencies and people into the fold. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm doing also with Hope and Healing, we have a, we're ending our program is ending in February, our contract. Um, it was a study of, of 24 months. Um, but towards the end of it, we're doing a lot of education and we're bringing other, all the people that I've met through, through all your, my contacts, mm. bringing them into the fold. We're having Bill Souls is doing a lost, uh, a grief and lost, uh, workshop this week. Mm-hmm. Um, Dawn is also doing something on respite care. Uh, I have a, somebody from Parker who's going to be doing a volunt- uh, the benefits of volunteering. So I'm using people from in-house and I'm using people from the outside that I've built my, my concern so that we all work together. You are working with our clients. Our clients need to know that there's other providers and not be afraid of the providers out there. Right. Yeah, then you know through the uh, Willing Hearts Helpful Hands program, we've actually connected with like you know all of the Alzheimer's organizations on Long Island, a lot of the day programs and home care agencies, and you know um, assisted living facilities and respite homes and things like that. So we've you know that that they serve as a referral source for us, but then we also can connect our families to them f- for resources if they need a daycare program or if they want home care or something like that. So the whole plan is to really connect them to. The, the services and resources so that, you know, they can continue to care for their loved one to delay or prevent institutionalization. Yeah. Um, and we, 
you know, Parker works with throughout all of our community programs. You know, we we cross cross referral all the time. Uh, we mm-hmm. discuss cases together about like you think you know Parker's home care program could you know service this case because they you know the per- they need skilled care or something like that. Uh, even our hospice program, we've had a few of our clients who were you know part of Parker's outpatient um, hospice program, and we've connected them with you know different services um, through you know participation in our activities and events and programming. Yeah, I think uh, what you're um, pointing out to me, and I'm, I'm just picking up, is that uh, you know it, there's a critical function that that um, institutions like yours serve, which is flexibility. <laughs> I think a lot of um, like a lot, a lot of there, there's a lot of government agencies and programs out there, but they tend to be siloed. They yeah. tend to be, you tend to go in here, and that's okay. This is what we deal with. That. No way. Yeah. This is what we deal. With. And what caregivers need is that flexibility to engage with people and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not, uh, you know, uh, speaking against government agencies because they have a specific task. But what the caregivers need and what the kid the care recipients need is a flexible approach because things constantly change. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, um, that's one of the lessons I learned caregiving from my mom is that not, you know, in a, in a parallel way toward the end of your life, it's sort of like the beginning of your life when you're a kid and, and, and they're not the same as when you're older, but the notion of change is the same is that, you know, you're, you're caregiving for a child and, and you know it too, they have, there's certain needs, but then like, okay, I got this. Like, well, no, you don't. Now the child is five <laughs> or now you're seven. And it's the same sort of thing toward the, um, the later years, uh, you, you need that kind of flexibility and, and expectation of change and be able to switch gears. So you need to have professionals who can work together and, and really understand that, you know, mm-hmm. um, go I ahead. think it's important too, that, you know, throughout based on Parker's, all the, all of our community programs is that like, you know, we're constantly discussing, you know, each other's programs, what's new in each other's programs and discuss, you know, running, running by like, you know, who would, would you be able to take on this case because they need, you know, they need the medical house call or so our colleagues in, you know, within, within the, within Parker, um, we all know each other very well. We've all worked together. Some of us, you know, for a short time, some of us for a long time, um, you know, but we also have to remember that, you know, Parker, Parker Jewish Institute for Healthcare and Rehabilitation, their primary line of business is the skilled nursing facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and our community programs are either funded through, you know, uh, like Department of Health, Pro, uh, Department, uh, New York State Department of Health or through, you know, Jewish Federation of North America. Um, so, you-, you know, we, we're constantly, you know, looking for additional community pro- uh, programming, um, different, different, uh, However, we can better serve the older adults because that's Parker. That's part of Parker's mission is to, you know, create programs to ser- that serve older adults. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I also, I, when we got started, um, all of the services that we offer, the support groups, the, the memory cafes, the the uh, education and training programs, the home visits, it's all free of charge. We don't know mm-hmm. the, the families do not get charged any any um, any fees for, for the programs because we are funded. You know, we, it's, right. we are, we're a grant funded program. Yeah, yeah. So um, you guys have had uh, long tenures uh, in in Parker and outside too. Um, any any as you look back, any lessons that you uh, you've learned along the way um, about uh, from Parker, or any lessons that have contributed to your learning with Parker, and any any unexpected revelation or advice for for caregivers that you've learned along the way. 
One of the things I've always said to our families, and you know, I, I've said it to several of my colleagues, and um, I might I might have you know t- taken a piece out of uh, Tipa Snow's uh, <laughs> uh, motto, but you know, but one one of the things I always say is like you know, the, until there's a cure, there's going to be care, and so mm. then caring for the caregiver, caring for the care recipient. Um, and really just, you know, to Carmen's point, you know, creating that sense of community, creating that sense of, you know, support um, and just keeping them, keep, keeping, keep, keeping them together, holding them, holding them down when they're in crisis or when they're in need um, yep. and knowing that they can come to us and that, you know, we'll, we'll be here. We'll be here to listen. We may, we can't take the disease away. We can't cure the disease right now because we haven't found that yet. But, um, <clears throat> you know, but we we're here to walk you through the, you know, the process, walk down, walk the journey with you. Right. I, I've learned. I, I've learned um, to ask for help, and, mm. and I, you know it's very hard for people to ask for help, and that's what I've seen from the caregivers. We signed up 271 caregivers as of today. Um, our goal was 250, so we made it a little bit over that, which is awesome. <laughs> um, and. Uh, so many of them have said, I never signed up for this. I never wanted this. This was my retirement years. This was my prime. My this is, And it is a hard job, but you're not alone. We're here. You're not, this, is a, this is a place that you could come to. You could cry with us. You could sit and laugh. You could do whatever you need to let it out. Um, we will not judge you at Parker. We're welcome here anytime. You could call us and we will be there for you. Yeah, I think it's important too that there's there's just a, an array of expertise because I think you know one of the things people say too is um, uh, ask for help, but be specific in what you want to ask for. But sometimes you don't know what to ask for. You don't know. You but don't just know. being able to ask, you know, to talk to people, and they can figure out what it is you really need. Um, mm-hmm. And and so many people have come to me and say, I I, I just don't know where to start. You know, okay. so I, I applaud you guys. I thank you guys. And uh, we could, there's still a lot more to talk to, but we're going to have to leave it there for today. But I, I do want to say, uh, folks, if if you miss my conversation with Carmen and Dawn today, they, you can still listen to it. It's a podcast on voiceamerica.com. Just search for my show, 45 Forward. You can also find it on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Heart Radio, or go to my website and uh, rowellresources.com and just click on the 45 forward tab um now uh again once uh, we mentioned earlier but i want to repeat it so if, if you want to find out more about um uh, parker jewish uh, institute uh the website and uh, dawn is, is uh parkerinstitute.org right um okay. and the phone number the general phone number is 718-289-2100 mm-hmm. and if if people want to get in touch with you folks um is there a contact them or do you, i mean you get i'm finding through parker but is there a, an email or contacts that you can get, offer folks so you can email us at um whhh that's one w three h's um whhh at parkerinstitute.org that's a, okay. a, a general email that um we we um, uh, converse with our families with and then carmen yours is what hope at parkerinstitute.org okay. Great. Okay. Well, folks, be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific and 3 p.m. Eastern. I'll be talking with Donnie Con- Dr. Connie Zweig, the author of several best-selling books on what she calls shadow work in our unconscious life. So until then, folks, keep moving forward, 45 forward. <music> 
Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.